everyone. This is Prerna Subramanian, and you're listening to the Scoop at CFRC 101.9 FM. We are here with Sarah Smith, graduate student in Gender Studies, Queen's University, and we are going to discuss the state of mental health services on campus for graduate students who are especially TAs, RAs, that is employees on campus. Sarah Smith recently wrote up a report for the Graduate Student Union PSAC 901, and we will be discussing specifically how mental health services fare at Queens for graduate employees and what Sarah's own findings and experiences tell us. So Sarah, thanks for uh, really like coming here and um, and like agreeing to talk to me about this because obviously this is not the, not the, like it's never a good time to talk about something so uh, potentially triggering for all of us in COVID-19, yeah. like something like mental health, which is not really in the, in the, in the best, having its best moments. Yeah. But like, um, but I know this is a very generalized question and everybody's experiences are very different. But uh, as someone who wrote the report, you also came from a, a personal vantage point, uh, specifically uh, as someone who, who also identifies as an uh, employee on campus, I would like to start us off with like, how has your experience been with MH services as a graduate student, but also a graduate employee? Yeah. Right, yeah, so in comparison to other people's experiences, I, I, I think I've been quite lucky. Um, you know, when I first arrived here, I had an interaction with a psychiatrist who I may describe as negligent, <laughs> um, which sort of led to a series of events that uh, landed me in the ER at KGH. Um, she didn't take me seriously because she told me if I had X disorder, I, I wouldn't be a PhD student, I'd be in a hospital. Um, I'm so sorry to hear that. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> which says something about how the, the mental health system understands um, you know, mental health and people's capacities to be productive, just really backwards sort of beliefs about disability. Um, and so it wasn't until I ended up in the ER that I was offered a proper evaluation by a different psychiatrist at Queens. Um, and this person took the time to get to know me, actually listen to what I was saying. Uh, I got on proper treatment and, and things have improved for me. That's good to know, quite, quite a bit. Um, which is definitely not the experience of everyone. Uh, I think people seem to think there's like diagnosis, treatment, cure, but um, a lot of times interactions with the mental health system can can make things worse. And I'm not just talking about Queens, I'm talking about it um, more broadly. Uh, and that interaction with him, it was, it was supposed to be my only meeting. I, I was told by people, you know, Queen psychiatrists, they don't do, they don't follow people. They, they just do consultations. Um, but after some relapses, one of the, the Queens GPs sent me back to him for another consultation. And I, I ended up spending the last two years with him. Uh, we started meeting monthly, then biweekly, then weekly. Mm. Um, and, and I'm not really sure why he decided to help me um, when, you know, the school has told us that that's a service that doesn't exist. Uh, and, and I've met other people who, who have been closely followed by psychiatrists at Queens and it's just really left me wondering why people get chosen over others. Um, and so I think it's, I felt, it's not transparent. Is that what you're saying? Yeah. 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 So, yeah. and it just, I think I felt some guilt and some, some anger and some sadness for other people who in my life, who I knew were people in my life and people who I've talked to through doing the PSAC report. Um, they weren't getting the care that they needed, or they were too afraid to ask for the care 
that they needed because they didn't feel safe for various reasons. Mm. Um, so it's a very confusing system <laughs> to say the least. Yeah, no, I understand. And also like that is, there is this idea that because we are divided as students and workers on campus, there's, there are different services which as students you avail. And I think there's something which comes to mind is like uh, getting an appointment with a crisis counselor. And my own personal experience has been that it's not the same person all the time or there is a lot of times where you don't meet someone on a regular basis. So has, has something like that happened with you or like with people you talk to for your report where the problem is that it's not that there are no services, it's that like the idea of regularity, which is really important in establishing a relationship with your counselor is not something that people are able to avail on campus. Yeah. Yeah. Um, there's definitely problems with consistency. Um, I guess first of all, you, you know, you've talked, you mentioned crisis counseling. Yeah. Um, I, I've probably called six or seven times for crisis and maybe gotten in three or four times mm-hmm. um, beca- because of the way the system works. So in, in 2019, the fall semester, Queens implemented this, this new, um, what's called a stepped care program. So yeah. the idea is that students get matched to different services based on their level of need. Um, so that could be referring them to, I think it's something called therapy assistance online, which is online modules you deal with yourself or maybe you need counseling, maybe you need a crisis counselor, maybe you need a psychiatrist. Um, but, but that's sort of determined by the institution. And, and you're right, you're, you're not always guaranteed to see the same counselor every time because part of this stepped care program is, is the idea of, well, we're trying to offer same day appointments to people. Yeah. Um, you know, you should be able to see someone the same day that you have a problem. But, the, but then on top of that, you know, when I was talking to graduate students in my own experience, but also, you know, evidence that has come from um, undergraduate students in articles written by the Queen's Journal, it, it's kind of a doggy dog situation where you have to call as soon as the phones open at student mm-hmm. wellness if you want an appointment. So yes. uh, in an article I was reading, this uh, one, an undergrad student called right at 8 a.m. every day or, or just after 8 a.m. or whatever time the phone's open. Mm-hmm. All the appointments would be gone for the day. And she tried, I think she tried like eight different days to try to get in. So, so this idea of a same day appointment can't really be guaranteed to people. And, and, and I know people who call for help with a crisis are told to call back the next day. But they're in a crisis. Like how? Um, that's not how it works. Yeah, that's not how it works. You know, you can't you can't sort of plan your crises out. So, you know, that's. And I I could also hear uh, like in this what you're describing is that this is a financial situation as as well, right? Like, um, I mean, people who face I I mean like people who are not getting consistent care or any care at all at Queens they might have to go for external counseling or go for other mental health professionals yeah. and I'm I'm pretty sure because I'm an international student and um, I have seen the cost of of uh, healthcare uh, yeah. which is outside of my insurance or perhaps not even covered by it um, that's it's costly and have you had yeah. any like experience heard about it where students are going for external services uh, because there's nothing for within queens which sustains them yeah um you know when when i t- when i was talking to graduate students um i i think 
one conversation I had really stood out to me where the person just said, I've given up. Mm. They're like, I've tried Queens and I've just given up. Um, and um, I think most of the people I talked to have said that they've had to turn to therapists in the community yeah. um, to help them either because they couldn't get in at Queens or because, you know, I, I've talked to racialized students who, who couldn't find a counselor of their same race and, and talking to white counselors was traumatic. Yeah. I, I talked to trans people who have had to spend their, their sessions at Queens explaining to someone what being trans means when Queens claims to be LGBTQ friendly. Yeah, it's um, re-traumatizing. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah, yeah exactly. You're right. It, it, it's sort of re-traumatizing. And it's still very hard to find mental health professionals in the community. I mean, Kingston's a small city. You yes. know, again, it's, it's mostly middle-aged white women that you're going to try and find. Um, but I've, I've also talked to people. One person said, I finally found a Muslim counselor. Mm-hmm. And it's been so helpful. Sure. Me, but yeah. it costs so much. Yes. It costs mm-hmm. so much. Like personally, I, I've had to turn to the community as well. And I found someone who was probably the most incredible person yeah. I've ever met. I mean, I've had a lot of therapists and, and she's been absolutely wonderful. And she's worth every penny. She deserves every penny. But just going twice a month costs me $360. Oh my God. Which yeah. is about a quarter of standard TA pay right like I think you make about $1,200 a month um you know luckily I have an external grant Mm -hmm. and I have a job with a journal so I can afford it but even you know even with those grants and that extra job it's still really tight for me and so I can't imagine what it's like for you know students who are making $18,000 a year um or, or, or graduate students who, who are parents, for example, um, international students who have to pay more tuition, like, you know, all, all these different things. So people are turning towards the community for help because they have to, but it ends up being the most privileged among us, I think. That who get the care. Really, yeah. Who get yeah. the care. Like as a, as a white woman, domestic student, um, you know, I do have some parental support. Like I'm those are the kind of reasons why I can, I can do this. And I know that a lot of other people can't. Absolutely. And even within international students, like, for example, like my own experience, and I have heard it from other friends, um, we are also not all made the same. And even if the tuitions have a tuition will go down from September onwards, that is also like, we had to put up a fight for that. But like the, the fact that we don't have, for example, access to grants, access to other financial options, which exactly. perhaps a domestic or a permanent resident will have. Um, and also like international students who come from different countries have different ideas and access to mental health back yeah. home. So like, for example, I do have a therapist, but she is in India. So I, I can afford that, that kind of uh, like service, but that's such a, it's an, ex, it's, it's like each to their own kind of a situation. right? Yeah. And that sort of expresses the fact that there is no consistent care. Like I remember you, you and I were talking and you said like, technically we can have free therapy if we go through, through Queens, but it won't, it, the, the, the fact that it's not regular, consistent, and it, it just puts you on edge precisely because it's like it's so isolated from other factors which you were mentioning like race right right yep. like um 
our student status and our status as employees which which is where like i i wanted to talk about like was there something very specific uh, and i do remember reading a report but just for people who are listening to this like um something which has happened recently because of the, how blm movements took took uh, like uh, yet another reincarnation during the coronavirus period like when it was when it was in its high uh, in in the beginning of 2020 um what happened was like queens itself and many other universities sort of made it a point to like talk talk about racial sensitivity or talk yeah. about uh, being being more inclusive and being more diverse right. and and their language was a lot about mental health was was about taking care of students on campus so do, do you think uh, there is something in your report which you would want to discuss here where that kind of intersection uh there are problems within that you've already mentioned about like how people do not find um perhaps like racially uh, diverse counselors within kingston or queens but is there is there anything else that you would like to add to that um and uh, precisely also uh with us struggling as students and workers and we and keeping in mind that none of these services that we're talking about actually uh, uh recognize that we are employees as well so yeah yeah right yeah because yeah so so in response to um you know what you were talking about you know the you know the public murder of George Floyd and you know the the racial protests that happened following that you know queens finally decided that maybe it was time to hire a black counselor mm-hmm. uh and so now we have one black counselor um for you know the entire black student body yeah um which i don't know the exact numbers on that but i bet you it's quite disproportionate yeah um and, and so i imagine that there's a lot of undergraduates specifically competing for for those spots and those um you know those appointments um and and i think from a, a worker perspective you know because you're asking about you know what it means for us being students and workers you know this sort of double identity yeah um i i i'm not sure that you know the the university says you know that it cares and it, and like you said they're talking about racial sensitivity but i but i don't think you know based off the people that i've talked to I don't think they understand the role of racial trauma as an interruption to to like our work Correct. if that makes if that makes sense. Yes, definitely. Yeah. Um it you know they they think about it in terms of, you know, affecting schoolwork or you know affecting us as I shouldn't say us but affecting students of color at, yeah. as students. Yeah. Um but uh you know, and because of the problems we've talked about before, because, you know, the competition and services are really oriented towards undergrad students, Got it. Um, yeah. you, you know, uh, students of color, graduate student workers of color are, I think, are facing extra barriers because it's not just that they need accommodations for school. It, it, it's also, it comes back to the work and, you know, at least in my, in my department, I'm, I'm in the department of gender studies, right? Mm-hmm. And I see how my, how my racialized colleagues are pulling so much extra weight 
um, because they're teaching undergrad classes full of mostly white students who say and write really racist things. Yeah. Um, and, and they're being forced to, to read this stuff because it's their job. Yeah. Um, and, and, you know, they can't hand off every paper to the professor. Um, and it's like, like, that's not something I, I think that's being taken into consideration that I think should be part of, you know, what the university thinks about in relation to us as workers. Yeah, and also, and also their approach to mental health, which is, uh, which is particularly like illuminating in your report also, and like our conversations generally with within PSAC and outside of it, is that um, what you were just mentioning that this double identity of being students and being workers put has also it also puts us in an awkward situation where we are accessing services. Uh, which are meant for students so and mm -hmm. and we, we sometimes end up sharing space and not that there is a problem of with sharing space with undergrad students but there is a question of power there is a question of hierarchy and also what if it is it is the undergraduate workspace where we go as assistants where we go as mediators we face harassment and we face some kind of like uh, like I, 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 I remember from my own experience I had a co colleague who who felt so triggered by the very trans-exclusionary response. I, I also worked for the gender studies department as a uh, teacher. Right. And they didn't know how to, how to manage this situation in terms of like, how will it affect their work? How will it affect their, like, like they had to turn in the assignment. They had to turn in, um, you know, like they had to finish their grading and get the money, which they, the, they were entitled to. But the, 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 the trauma of like, workplace harassment is not is totally isolated from mental health as if mental health is like something very different from uh, our racialized experiences or our gendered experiences right so I think that that also makes me think about another thing that you were saying about um, um, like when when you're sharing space with with people who, who might have uh, caused you harm uh, yeah that in itself makes you so vulnerable on campus and you end up not accessing uh, yep. services, right? So that's that's basically actually making the workplace harmful precisely because the services are not recognizing you for as a worker. As a worker, uh, yeah, they, yeah. They see you as a student when, you know, if you need healthcare, you're a student. If they want something from you, you're a worker. Exactly. Uh, like, like the university very conveniently defines us in different ways yes yeah and and the the way they define then anti-racist training and something yeah. which with and also about improving mental health services on the diversity and inclusivity line i think you were also mentioning that um it's not just enough to provide sensitivity training to the counselors it it's also about hiring more counselors or perhaps like diversifying the range of services which are there and also recognizing that we are also employees and we we treat queens not as a place as where we study but as a place where we work right so uh, that brings me to the last question perhaps like um, with your conversation and also through experience and and um, and through your report like is there something like we can tell um, 
because we are also like uh, at the point where PSAC 901 is bargaining and the conversation about mental health is skyrocketing with the fact that Queens yeah. is thinking about going back on campus fall right. come fall when everything is a little uncertain yeah. city feels very certain about this um, which uh, seems seems like has caused a lot of mental health troubles yeah. for my friends especially so like keeping all of that in mind and our conversation like do you think there are some services which queens should be and ideally can provide and will be really helpful to to sort of better these these structural issues that we are talking about yeah yeah, I, I think sort of based on what I've heard from, from people, you know, when I was working on the report it, it is, yes, they want, you know, a greater diversity of services, maybe things oriented towards graduate students. So, you know, they're not sitting in the waiting room next to one of their students in a yes. crisis, you yeah. know, um, you know, I ended up in a group therapy where I was the only grad student uh, one of my former students was actually there, you know, you know, it, it, yeah. it, it's a really awkward sort of situation. So, so some people want services at Queens to change, but I think the overwhelming response that I had was that we would like to have benefits that are more similar to, to, to faculty and to other workers on campus. Um, because, you know, for the reasons we've mentioned before, you know, race, gender, sexuality, sexuality, you know, wanting to find people who can affirm your experiences and understand what it's like to live as a racialized, gendered, you know, queer person in Kingston at Queens, you know, in this country. Yeah. Um, so really wanting some sort of, you know, subsidy, funding, compensation, I don't know, insurance, whatever you want to call it, so that we can have more control over our mental health care and we can look to, to people in the community that can help us. Because I think that's, you know, at least, you know, the people I've talked to, that's what most of us have ended up doing. Yeah. And, and so to, to, to take the, if the university can help us take off that financial strain, you know, it would obviously benefit our well-being, but I think it would also help the school because yeah. it would mean that there are a fewer students competing for the already limited counseling spots and services that the university has. So I, I'm not sure what the graduate student body numbers are. I imagine it's a few thousand. Yeah. If you have those couple of thousand or however many thousand less people trying to access the clean system, you know, I, I, I think that's in the university's um, sort of best interest. I, I mean, what, what graduate students have right now um, through the SGPS is $500 a year for, for therapy, psychotherapy, whatever. Um, and like I said earlier, I'm paying $360 a month. Yeah. So $500 would cover a month and a half. And I, when I was, you know, working on the report, I, I sort of did a preliminary um, study of like, what's the average cost of therapy in Kingston? So I went on psychology today. I looked at the first four or five pages uh, and recorded all the costs and it's about $120. So that's a month of therapy for going every week. It's two months for going every other week and nothing can sort of be addressed or solved in, in that amount of time. You can't even develop a, a safe relationship with a therapist in that amount of time, at least in my experience. Um, 
And I've actually asked SGPS, I said, is there any way that, you know, we can get more money because $500 really isn't enough. And, and they said to me, well, we, we sort of adjust our health plan each year based off, you know, how much people are using various funds. And, and yeah. so, you know, not a lot of people are dipping into that mental health fund. And my question to them was like, well, have you maybe considered that $500 is a pretty pathetic amount of money yeah. to, to be offering people? And maybe people aren't using it because they don't want to go to therapy for a month or a month and a half and then have to stop. Um, so, you yeah. know, we need, we need more than that, right? Got it. Yeah. So I think what we have also discussed here is like, it is a financial issue, but the finance is directly related to our dual identity as students and workers, which sort of affects how we access these services and what kind of services are actually available for us. And in the end, obviously, like mental health cannot be isolated from, from uh, like, from factors such as race, gender, our migrant student state, status, and especially yeah. that there is nothing which which actually caters to us as TAs or RAs on campus, which makes okay. up half of our lives here. Yeah, so, yeah, yeah. Um, th thank you, Sarah. That that was great, and I I it, it's clearly a lot to process just for the two of us, even in this conversation. So it's so tough to just tie up a conversation on mental health because it's it's precisely the the, the kind of environment we live in in Queens every day seems like seems like a, me a new mental health issue comes up and, yeah. and university sort of tries to find tries to find uh, the easiest solution uh, for it and like for example when you said about oh after the Black Lives Matter movement which was so which is which is ongoing which has always yeah. been there it's not that and racism suddenly became an issue uh, during BLM, we, th that was the time a counselor was hired. And I think that sort of says a lot about the state of mental health uh, services and also state of mental health generally at Queens. So I think, yeah, thanks a lot. And But it's, it's actually a lot to process for Queens and their administrative stakeholders too. So to yeah. actually pay heed and listen, listen to its graduate students and workers and recognize our dualities and diversity instead of just talking about them separately. So yeah, thanks, Sarah. Thanks you. Thank you so much for having this conversation. Yeah, no, it was my pleasure. Thanks for inviting me. Yeah. Thank you for listening to The Scoop, produced with the generous support of the Faculty of Engineering and Applied Sciences at CFRC 101.9 FM at Queen's University in Kingston, Ontario, on the traditional lands of the Anishinaabe and Haudenosaunee peoples.